0: Welcome to the Bars and Tone Radio Podcast, an in-depth look at issues facing a hecta members today. Now here are your hosts, Brandon
1: Boucher, Hall Meeks, and B. J. Atarian. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bars and Tone Podcast. My name is B. J. Atarian, my colleagues, of course, Brandon Boucher.
2: Hal Meeks, guys, how you doing?
0: Doing good. Can't wait to talk about this uh, interesting subject.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've realized a lot of people are looking at creating small studio spaces for themselves. And a lot of people are looking at fairly tight budgets in terms of being able to actually do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so and this is going to be a good show. We're, we're actually going to try for this one to make it nice. I think that would be a good idea. And uh, One thing we want to address, though, is the distance between shows, the time between shows that we uh, we turn these out. And there's a reason for that. And that obviously is this is – we all have other jobs. I know Brandon and I. We have four stations we're running, and Hal is it, it, Hal teaches and is going for his doctorate. So they are definitely intermittent at best. We'll try to get better and and turning these out a little bit more frequently, but. Uh, Today, yeah, today's going to be a great show. We're talking about building a studio on a budget for the cheap, the best that we can. And both Hal and Brandon have done this. Hal, maybe a little bit further back, and Brandon much more recently. Uh, Let's talk, uh, Hal, talk about the studio that you put together.
2: Right, okay. So on on campus we have, in our MES program, we have some folks who are basically practicing to become weathercasters for broadcast. And so what they wanted to be able to do was create space that would be like a mini studio that they could use for doing, on, you know, on-camera weather reports. So there were some things that they required. Um, it was a relatively simple setup, and it was a single camera, and they also needed a green screen.
1: And and when did you build this? How many years ago was this now? Oh
2: gosh, it's probably been about six or seven years ago, maybe a little bit further back than that. Okay, and that's important. I want to come back to
1: that in just a few minutes. But Brandon, why don't you talk about the project that you did? Well,
0: first of all, I can say that I actually, as a student here, used the studio that Hal built as a meteorology meteorology student. So it was my senior year. I think we got it going. So 2011- 2012 time frame was right. when that studio was put together. Uh, more recently here at our studio at Pack TV, we had been running the green screen actually out of BJ's office. One of his walls is green, and he decided, you know, it's time to get a little bit more space.
1: It's it, to be specific. It is
2: Disney green. Is that right? It is. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a color that you use for painting a kid's room. Yes.
0: And and so we finally did, we got some more space across the hall. Still a very tight space, um, and we're able to put a relatively tight budget studio up with a green screen that we can green screen all of our shows and also just as important a control room next door.
1: And this was within the last year. Yes.
0: This was, you know, yeah. Within the last months, just of finishing the last couple odds and ends.
1: Okay. And, and so that's recently how yours is a little bit older now, but, and, and I'm going to come back to the reason why I asked that question, but the
2: budget that you were given to build hell, how, it was really tight. I think it was about ten thousand dollars for for everything. I mean, that's literally everything. That's the computer and the camera, and the lighting, and then also um, the microphones. Um, so, and then also some a small budget for retrofitting the room to make it so we could use that space.
1: And what and what size space are we talking about?
2: Oh gosh, uh, let's see. The um, it was a rectangular space. so It was kind of an odd, odd-sized space. And so the back wall, I would say, what would you say is about ten, twelve uh, feet, maybe? Uh, maybe. I think 15.
0: probably shorter than that. That, ro- right. that room was maybe ten feet on a good day.
2: Right. It was. It was, <laughs> it was, it was fairly. Yeah. It, it was fairly tight.
1: So the humidity days and everything swells. It's, yeah. It's not yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Just yeah. like not, you know. High humidity in North 9 feet Carolina. Eleven inches, yeah. Okay, and then and then Brandon, the same questions to you. The budget and the size of the, the you had two rooms essentially that you were doing. Right,
0: we had a much smaller budget. I mean, we also had tricast and computers and stuff from our other space that we were able to move over. So I think we spent about an extra twenty five hundred, maybe three thousand dollars, and that was mostly purchasing lights, uh, desk, painting supplies. Couple new 32-inch monitors and some hardware to hang some of that stuff on the walls.
1: So two studios, both fairly small. Uh, one built about 10 years ago uh, for about $10,000, and then one built within the last year for two to three thousand dollars. Right.
2: Yeah, but the two three thousand-dollar one again, they already had some equipment. Right. Right, and so you had to build everything from scratch. Exactly. Okay, so given the budget, Hal, did you
1: think that you were going to have to cut or skimp on any equipment or design?
2: Oh, oh, for sure, absolutely. There were some things that I did that obviously I would regret and I would certainly do over. Um, one of the areas that we that we really uh, pared things down was the lighting. We okay. used uh, use very inexpensive lighting. Uh, we used three-point lighting and... Um, we were using uh softboxes. Uh, and the reason why I use softboxes because they're relatively forgiving in terms of setting up lighting. Um, and then we also use clamp lights, uh, which people ridicule but they are really great and we use those as secondary lighting for fills.
1: Was in your studio did they was the goal to go live or simply to record and edit?
2: They um, actually recorded um, recorded everything for playback so they could look and see what they were doing.
1: Okay, and then Brandon, to you, what did you did you have to cut? Did you think of having to have to cut?
0: Yeah, I mean, essentially we went into this with, you know, some things we knew we were going to purchase in the year's budget, but not really planning to build a studio in that year. So we had to really keep things very tight and very minimal. Um, so, you know, looking at lighting, because that's going to be your one of your biggest things in a studio, if we were able to get some... Relatively nice bi color LEDs were able to dim them and also change the color temperature. But even looking back, you know, a few years ago, the price of LED, decent LED uh, lighting systems have come down a lot. So that really helped us out. I mean, we still spent maybe about $1,200 on lights, but that was uh, six LEDs or six LED panels we were able to use versus a few years ago where that probably would have been closer to five or six thousand dollars so that's the big thing there um and we had to really we had no idea what we were going to do for our furniture that was our biggest challenge we had some surplus furniture we were potentially able to use but it didn't really fit the space um so really being creative on how to build our furniture was our biggest thing we had to squeeze out of the budget.
1: So talk about that a little bit. You talked about lighting. You talked about furniture. How did you determine what you actually had to design and come up with?
0: So I you know, measured out the space and looked around for ideas. I mean, I'd also been you know, working on a TV station um, you know, a previous part of my career. I've gone through that. I've built out a whole television studio. So I had some experience with that and some ideas of how to lay it out so you have effective, you know, director space editing bays and then spreading it all out so it all fits in there as well as a in a pretty small space i think the control room is about 12 feet by eight feet and very similar size to the studio as well Um, so looking at the furniture we had we could get our hands on getting a quote to see how much you know new furniture would cost us and then looking around online and that's what we ultimately went with with figuring out how to lay out the furniture. Um, saw a great tutorial on someone who wanted to put together a, a nice long desk, That um, they purchased their tops from Ikea and built a little subframe underneath so that instead of just having your four-foot by two-foot Ikea desk with four legs on it, they're actually able to expand it out to a... That one was probably about a 10-foot desk. For us, we made an L-shaped desk, that was about 10 feet by 6 feet and basically just went to Ikea, got some cheap tabletops, some cheap legs, and then built out a subframe underneath it to stick it all together. So I think we originally had our desk, uh, our, our quote for getting new furniture in there it was over $3,000, and we built the desk for about 200
1: to $250, that's a great way to be efficient on that, and and hell, I want to ask you the same question. I'd like to back up just for a second, though, we didn't maybe set the uh, the, the premise to all of this up beforehand. Mes is a student group on campus that works with the broadcast the weather yeah. department. Okay, so Marine this Earth,
0: is a, Marine Earth and Atmospheric Science.:
1: Okay, so this is something that they're doing. They wanted to be able to actually forecast weather like you would see on TV. Oh yeah, and And that—that was your goal, your charge to get that set up.
2: Yeah, part of what they're doing is pretty awesome. Is they actually are working with live data, so these are not uh, fake broadcasts. So they are actually uh, pulling in uh, current current weather data and then using that in their in their own segments. So um, one of the things that one of the critical things here was that none of the students here had a lot of broadcast experience. So it was absolutely critical for me to create something that was very self-service and was actually very easy for them to be able to use.
1: And 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 Brandon, again, same thing. pac TV is student organiz- a student produced sports channel here at NC State. So it's not part of athletics uh, budget, much smaller. Uh, and so that's why we had to do this so efficiently in both scenarios right. like that. Okay, so the budget was much smaller. Okay, so how talk about a little bit your design and research
2: process. Okay, the research for, for the lighting, I had a lot of experience previously with working with lighting, but a lot of my lighting was basically um, setting up uh, some broadcast studio lighting, but also a lot of basically lighting where you go on location and you're setting up lighting in that situation. So again, one of my criteria here was to use lighting that would be really forgiving and and really simple for them to work with so they could do some minor adjustments based on the height of the presenter. Um, you know, again, the students were going to be standing in roughly the same location so we could basically fix sliding, um, you know. So that was one of my big criteria was basically setting it up so that it, it would just work for them. Um, the other thing, of course, is the the back end part of it as well, you know, I couldn't pick a particular solution that was going to be particularly difficult for them to work with, so it had to be something that was going to be turnkey. And so and and we can talk more about this in a little bit, but it's the whole dilemma about picking a piece of hardware that can handle a lot of stuff for you, like a TriCaster or something, or using a purely software-based solution.
1: Okay. And so – Going down that road, how did you determine
2: what type of equipment to purchase? Okay. At that point, you know, again, my budget, I couldn't afford a TriCaster. And in fact, when I look at some of the video switching solutions that were out there, and again, the criteria was also being able to do green screening. Um, it was just simply out of my budget. There was no way I could be able to afford what I wanted to be able to put in there. So what I ended up doing was going with a software-based solution, and, uh, and that has, has some advantages in terms of costs. It was certainly a lot less expensive for me to be able to do it that way, but it also has some real challenges. The green screen software that we were using was really finicky and took a lot of work to get to the point where uh, uh, students uh, could come in and basically go ahead and do their weathercasts without having to go in and fiddle with the software. Um, and that was one of the most challenging things for me, was, again, that cost savings measure, you know, means that actually it creates more work for you um, in the process of doing, uh, you know, actually doing your broadcast.
1: So you, you didn't use a Tricaster production switcher. You used, based it in software. What type of software did you look at? Okay.
2: At the time, there was uh, – the, you know, there was only a few packages out there that would basically, quote-unquote, turn a computer into a broadcast studio um, we looked. Um, we looked at um, Wirecast at that point. Um, Wirecast wasn't really there yet in terms of some of the things we wanted to be able to do, such as the green screen. So we looked at a piece of software called Boinks, and the company's still around, but they have a really weird uh, model now that I think has worked worked against them. But one of the things it had that was really great was it had a really wonderful unit interface for being able to stack layers. Of content, so you it was vi- visually You could see uh, your weather map uh, overlay in the background, and then your uh, your bug or whatever you have in your foreground, and then also your subject. So visually, you're able to see how these layers are stacked on top of each other. The other thing that it had was it did have switching uh, between these layers, and that worked that worked fairly well. Um, and then of course it also had uh, green screen software built in, so you could take a camera input. And basically keyed it over your background.
1: And how was the keyer in Boinks? I don't remember.
2: It was a pain in the neck. Uh, it was very finicky. In we, 2011, uh, it was very finicky. Um, there was actually two. There was two keyers. There's one that comes with Boinks, and then they also had. I partnered with a company that offered a keyer that had a lot more options in it, and it was not expensive. It was about $250, $300, and so we went with that option. And having that additional flexibility of being able to adjust for spill, which is really critical so you don't get these green fringes around the edges of of people and stuff like that, that was actually really critical, and that software allowed us to be able to adjust for that. Um, So that was really important. But what I had to do is bring in – two or three different people and set it up in front of them and then basically try to come up with an average of uh, values that would work for other students as they came in.
1: So not quite as turnkey as you were hoping.
2: Oh, God, no. In fact, again, just to reiterate again, what happens is a lot of times when you start making uh, budget decisions to keep your costs low, it actually means that you may end up having to do more work in the process of putting, putting together a broadcast. you know, So what you're paying for with more expensive solutions a lot of times is convenience and the ability to be able to rapidly put together a broadcast.
1: So, Brandon, how about you? How did you determine what needed to be purchased?
0: I just had to take a look at what we had. Obviously, we had been functioning with a green screen already. So you know, we had our cameras. We had students who knew how to run them. We knew how to green screen stuff. Um, Most of that was done in post. Um, So we had to look and see what we needed. Obviously lights. The lighting situation we had in your office was obviously subpar. They were starting to die. Lights were probably the biggest factor. Um, And then really looking at the space to see what we needed to flesh it out. Things that we kind of learned as we went were, you know, we need a lot of soundproofing, sound deadening, sound uh, absorbency. Uh, stuff to help make the sound feel better so i really just had to research what was the best price to performance i could get for setting up that space um you know some things we were able to go really cheap on and have you know 98% of the functionality uh stuff like the lights you want to find a really good really re- well reviewed set um that's going to work for you and if you can get bicolor LED lights, it's gonna be so much more flexible for you because you can mix those mix that color of those lights to whatever you need it to be. Um besides that, it was just figuring out where to fit everything, how to set up the studio. You know, so I took a bunch of measurements, drew everything out. That was the big key there was to you know plan where I was going to put everything, measure twice, cut once type thing before we went and started setting things up. Um, so that was the research I mean I probably took about 2 or 3 months of really looking at the stuff we needed to get, purchase and figuring out how to build this desk fi- figuring out how to build the furniture figuring out what, how to hang those lights so we get a nice evenly spilled green screen um, and that that was really what we what I had to do on the on the design and research side it was just really make sure I Spent every dollar the best I could and had everything planned out where it was going to go.
1: And we'll start with you, Brandon. Uh, when you did that research, there's probably a wide range of prices. Oh, yeah. Um, if you could talk a little bit about, more about what you saw and then maybe that price to performance. Uh, obviously, if we're setting up a major studio we're going to be doing this with a much bigger budget. What we're talking about here today are ways we can set up a good studio on an, an efficient budget, but talk a little bit about the the prices that you saw
0: with lights. I mean, led, uh, led panel, you can get anywhere from hundred bucks to a panel or $10,000 to a panel. Ours turned out to be about $200 per panel. And that's about 300 LEDs, you know, about a foot by foot, you know, a one square foot panel. And, you know, with both this studio and the last studio I did, the TV station, I think those panels were about three hundred dollars a panel. Now we're come down to like the one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars panels. Seem to be really good. Uh, the key with there was just I, uh, you know, read a lot of reviews, see which ones are having issues. Then I actually talked to we my rep at Adorama, and just kind of got some ideas he actually uses he goes not only does he sell this stuff but he actually part-time went out in the field and worked with uh shooting stuff so you know he had a good idea of a lot of the equipment and he helped me narrow it down to you know a couple different choices from you know maybe about five or six good choices there and that's kind of what i did for most of the stuff you know figured out what exact green color was going to key the best in our studio um figuring out your optimal wire length to run from your cameras to our, we have a TriCaster here, so, you know, we had to run stuff in the ceiling. Um, We were originally hoping that we could run it from our two, connect our two spaces, but when we looked into that, you know, it was going to be a little bit cost prohibitive to run fiber across the, uh, across the ceiling, but, um, you know, just look at all the different angles you can. And if you can, what really helped out too, we went and visited Liberty, um, Liberty University, Liberty University last, uh, winter. And just seeing how their set set up, obviously they have a thousand times bigger budget than we're working with, but seeing all those components working together, especially if you don't have any or much experience working on a set for sports or whatever you're going to be doing. Um, that helped out a ton.
1: So, and one of the things I want to talk about too, Hal, from when you did this, a couple of years have elapsed. Have the equipment has it come down in price? Has it become more commoditized? Oh, oh
2: for sure, absolutely. One of the one of my big expenses was um, um, was actually displays. Um, and at that point, we were, we wanted to use 32-inch uh, uh, flat panel displays because, again, one of the things that a weathercaster is doing is they're watching themselves as they are actually staying in front of a green screen. So we had to actually have displays uh, on either on either wall, and the, uh, we use consumer uh, we use consumer displays. And um, they were fairly expensive. Um, they were pushing. In fact, that was one of my biggest expenses. They were pushing close to a thousand dollars a piece uh, for a 32-inch display. And of course, now, as we all know, you can go uh, to your big-box retailer and buy a 32-inch display for 140 dollars. But of course, you'll want to spend more on something that's better quality. That's a better quality display, and hopefully, something that you're going to be able to actually calibrate the color on. So that was one of my big expenses. Was actually the display technology for the thing. The other one, of course, was um, was actually the the computer that we used. We used a uh, we used a Mac Pro, and we got a midline Mac Pro. And I think the cost of the computer was around was a little bit around two thousand dollars. And we were using a Blackmagic intensity card um, for our video interface, and the, the intensity card uh, was like a couple hundred dollars, maybe two or three hundred dollars. And then, of course the cost of the mac itself you know so that was our other big expense and so again um just the raw computing ha- horsepower that you would need to be able to do live uh, real-time green screening and everything that cost has come down you know um you would not necessarily have to get a spec a, a three thousand dollar mac pro for instance to be able to do real-time green screening you could probably get by with something less expensive
1: see i thought the weather forecasters actually were standing in front of a map. You're saying that's not the case here. Oh no, it was
2: actually <laughs> really cool how we uh, uh, how we set it up. What they were doing is they, it was everything was live. Um, we weren't doing we were doing no post production or very little post production, and so what they were doing is actually um, use we actually used two computers. We used one for the library and screening and switching and everything, and then we used a secondary computer which was just a hand-me-down PC, and it was running PowerPoint. And so what the students would do is they would load up all their uh, weather map, their weather map data in a PowerPoint presentation, and then they would just use a clicker to go from one from one th- slide to the next. Um, so that kept our costs down significantly, right there.
1: And so when I look at the morning news and they're doing the school bus stop weather, they're not actually bringing in school buses.
2: No, they're not <laughs> in school buses. You they learn. don't. Have, tell no, you. no, no. They don't go out and interview the school bus drivers. You know, every morning they don't fan out with like a hundred reporters. Basically, wow.
1: So, okay. So we've done all this. When you were going through the process, tell me a way that you saw. Okay, you needed this. It was going to cost X. X was out of the budget. How can I be creative to do it for my price?
2: Okay, again, one of the things that um, is, and Brandon's touched on this already, is the, the cost of lighting has dramatically lowered. And certainly with uh, with bicolor lighting now you can adjust for a particular color temperature you want. So you can use a you can use a tool to measure your color temperature, um, you know, of your lighting, and then basically use that um, to match um, to match your post production lighting so that you can get a nice pleasing color. So the cost of lighting has come down. Again, I've already touched on the display technology. And, you know, bringing down the cost of display technology, it also allows you now, of course, to go bigger. So you can go with larger displays. And then also you can go with display technology that gives you higher contrast ratios. So certainly one option, of course, is to use OLED displays, you know. Um, The other thing I did not really do, I evolved all this, is I didn't use a color calibrator. And that would be something else that I would probably do now is um, I would use um, some sort of um, color calibration technology. And, again, this is not very expensive to basically make sure that you're calibrating the displays so what your on-screen talent is seeing is roughly accurate as to what the final product is going to look like.
1: So, Brandon, the same question to you. You already talked about the IKEA furniture, cutting it from 3000 down to a couple hundred dollars. Uh, what were some of the other ways that you uh, were creative? Just... I know you were creative. I saw you building it. Let's think. The furniture was something we – Yeah, the,
0: the furniture was huge. I kind of touched on things okay. before. and um, You know, building our own furniture, looking to see what your lights were, and, you know, Hal talking a minute ago about getting a high-quality or even, I guess, a consumer display 10 years ago, 3200000 bucks. We were able to get, for our master control setup, uh, two nicer thirty two inch ten eighty p panels, uh, monitor panels that were just under two hundred bucks a piece. So, you know, you can get your hundred dollar T V, thirty two inch T V sometimes at the from Best Buy, Walmart, wherever, but you can also still get even better, you know, monitor displays for that are more color correctable than your and more color accurate than your televisions are. Um, and beyond that, yeah, you know, we were kind of lucky with having a switcher already in place, but other ways you can be creative there and cut cost. You know things like OBS, which is a free switching software. Um, there's plenty of low cost other um, switching softwares. You know, Livestream has one, obviously Wirecast and VMix. You know VMix is another pretty powerful, pretty cheap uh, setup that you can really expand on. I think even is starting to try to get into that business. They've have their video mix engine that's coming out. I don't know. I'm sure it's going to be more on the higher end of the software side. But I think that's going to be a big development. Obviously, it has been. And another big thing is things like vMix, things like um, XSplit is another pretty cheap uh, switching software. They can actually key your background out. They don't care what's behind you. You don't have to have a green screen behind right. you. You can replace it back. It's not going to be the best, but you can you know get away with just having – You know, your normal stuff behind you on your desk, replace it with whatever kind of background you want. So that's really where, depending on what your needs are, if you don't really need something big, you can just, you know, download it on your laptop, find a somewhat uncluttered spot to shoot against, and switch your background
1: out. So, Hal, looking at it. Now I know this is a few years back. What was your biggest, your number one obstacle that you had to try to overcome?
2: Okay, number one obstacle for me was again uh, obviously budget. We've touched on that. The second one was because was that we I had to make this a self service. Uh, you know environment again the folks coming in they were not broadcast engineers they may have had minimal experience working with video so i really had to come up with a solution that was going to be turnkey for them where they could just come in load up their weather maps stand in front of the camera and do their presentation without having to do things such as adjusting audio levels adjusting the lighting and things like that so again one of the color, one of the decisions i made again was using soft boxes you know, which, um, you know, they, ha- they have some disadvantages, but one of the advantages they do have is it's very flattering to the skin, and it's, they're very easy to work with, um, you know. So it's something we could set up, and they could just basically come in and do their work. So that was my number one constraint was making sure that this was something that was absolutely turnkey, required no particular adjustment or fiddling to be able to actually come in and do your broadcast. And same question you, Brandon, the, the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome.
0: I'd say the budget is just a thing. I don't have to really think it's an obstacle. You can kind of – it's got to do with what you're dealt with that. Um, but what I'd say my biggest obstacle was was the actual physical size. Uh, of the space of you had to, space. Work you okay. space you to work with. Of the space, yeah, the space you had to work with. Been much better if I could kind of take that middle wall out between those our master control room in our studio and just kind of section off where our master control would be and be able to shoot a longer, wider shot.
1: We couldn't do that because all we had was one mallet. Yep. Yeah, so that wouldn't have worked.
0: So I think that that was the biggest challenge. That's our biggest limiting factor. We, we did wrap our green screen mm-hmm. around the edges of the wall. So we have about three feet of our sidewalls green screen to, to cut across for those, for those side shots. But it's only about 10 feet wide. And I'd say for for one person, that's fine, that's plenty of space. But when you start to sit down a desk and try to get two or three people at the desk, it really becomes tight. You really don't have that same opportunity to get those side shots you know if, if you're doing like a three camera shoot um, so that was my biggest challenge was just trying to optimize everything for the amount of space we had. I mean even in our master control room, you know originally I wanted two desks down each side, but then the chairs we be bumping into each other. Right. Um, so that was – space would be my biggest challenge, and that was the biggest thing we had to overcome and just for some stuff we had to deal with what we were dealt with as far as, far as the space was concerned. Other times we are able to get a little bit more creative.
1: Because in this particular studio, actually both studios, they're in office buildings. They're not in television
2: space. Right. Yeah, there's things such as not having a uh, – you know Brandon basically improvised the lighting grid. Uh, based on a suspended ceiling. Um, but obviously that's one of the things that you would, if you are in an ideal situation is that you'd want to be able to put in a lighting grid. Right.
1: Now looking, uh, now that both of them are done, how looking back, if you could have done two or three things differently, what would you have
2: done? Oh God. Uh, Okay. So the first one is, uh, I did something that I regretted about a year and a half later. Um, when we were routing our uh, our dis- our displays for, you know, what this, what the uh, weather person was seeing, um, I routed those from the back of the room to the front of the room. And at the time, um, the cheapest way I could possibly do it was by using VGA. So I used uh, VGA to Ethernet uh, Baylands, and the cost was really cheap. It was, didn't cost a lot of money. But obviously, as we all know now, VGA uh, looks pretty lousy. Um, Versus basically going ahead and routing HDMI, so that would have been the number one thing if I could if I could go back in time and change it, is I would have um, used HDMI instead of VGA, the colors would have been a lot truer, it would have been a lot more accurate, and also, uh, you know, again, at that point, we're using a display resolution that maps what the final output is going to look like. So that would be like the number one thing. If I could possibly change anything, I would have changed that.
1: And if, if before you go on to the next one, uh, if I'm building a studio today and I'm looking forward, am I doing HDMI? Am I running something different? Am I running SDI? Am I trying to do this all over Ethernet?
2: Right. Okay. So the, again, it depends on your budget. Obviously, if you're working with consumer equipment, you're not going to have an SDI on your uh, displays. You're going to have HDMI, so um, that's going to limit you in terms of what you're going to be able to use to route to your um, to your display monitors for either uh, post or whatever you're going to be using live in the studio so your talent can see. So that's going to limit you right there. Um, certainly, uh, it, when you start looking at pro level equipment, you start looking at more higher end displays that can be color calibrated and things like that. Uh, those are those currently. A lot of those have S C I, and S C I has some huge advantages in terms of cabling. Um, you know, you're able to use coaxial cable. You're able to use longer cable lengths. For instance, H uh, M I is routing. I mean, S C I is routing both your video and your audio in case you need to be able to do that as well. So and then certainly moving forward, uh, there, there are other options as well, such as, as brands such on using fiber, for instance. And fiber gives you a tremendous amount of flexibility in terms of routing, cable routing, um, but also in terms of display difference. I mean, the distances that you're able to basically route the signal.
1: It also increased your costs a lot more, though.
2: Oh, right, exactly. And you know, the the reality is, consumer equipment is never going to have fiber um, built into it. I say never because that may as- absolutely not be true. But for the foreseeable future, it's probably still going to be HDMI. So, Brandon, same question to you.
0: I, I think the biggest thing is, is you know, if you're if you're not working on on a forty thousand dollar budget or anything. You don't be afraid to mix up what you have. I mean, if you have some stuff already in place that has HDMI, run that HDMI. If you have some stuff that has SDI, have that in place as well. But I'd say your biggest thing looking forward into your studio as you continue to hopefully advance it is to keep your flexibility for Ethernet ready to go. We use NDI, which is a, a free interface or a non-patented interface, non-licensed interface that NewTek came up with. And basically, it route can route all your video over Ethernet. They've got cameras that you can just run one Ethernet cable to provide you power over Ethernet. It's gonna can and it's gonna send back both your audio and video from that camera. So use what you have. SDI would be preferred right now, but I, a lot of stuff I think from now going forward is gonna be heavily uh, networked. NDI. NDI. In, right. And other, I mean, there's other forms of it too. But I think, think having a good Ethernet base as you're building a studio, even if you don't use it right away, will be critical in the future.
1: So, if you're starting this project today, if you can give one piece of advice to anybody starting this up on a budget, maybe outside the NDI, how you can start with you, um, to someone starting this up today, what would you
2: say? Okay, a couple things. First of all, again, we've touched on this again. Your lighting, don't cheap out on your lighting. Um, Go ahead and spend a little extra money on your line because it's going to make such a huge difference in your post in terms of what your final product is going to look like. Um, The other thing is don't worry so much about computing power now because, um, again, um, you know, uh, if you're looking at, like, a Mac line, for instance, say, you know, an iMac, for instance, that's uh, nicely specced, you know, for around $2,000 is going to be more than adequate for being able to work. And, of course, as we look at PC technology. They don't
0: need to get the... Thirty-five thousand dollars. No, no, no. They don't have
2: to. I mean, the iMac Pro is really freaking awesome, and of course, we all we all know about the new Mac Pro that costs about six thousand dollars. But the reality is that you know the cost of the technology, uh, computing power has dropped tremendously, so you're able to work with that.
1: And I think, by the way, tying this all together, the new. Mac Pro looks a lot like the Mac Pro that you used to set the studio. It almost has that cheese grater look again.
2: It does. In fact, I think that was on purpose because so many people love that particular design because of the expandability and the ability to be able to go in and service the computer yourself. And that was something that Apple really wanted to address this it's time It's going to weigh as much. It is it may actually not weigh quite as much, although I don't know yet because obviously I don't own one um but <laughs> but um i but that was their number one thing was that the the uh, pro users um were saying that they wanted to be able to service the unit themselves and be able to expand it um and and that was the number one thing that they Apple was addressing this particular machine. Now, look, you know, I mean, we're going off the subject here, but realize when you look at $6,000 for a computer, that's a lot of money, but for um, particular pro applications, it really isn't when you're looking at your processing power versus the time that it takes to actually be able to get a job done.
0: Or you just get a Windows computer and you build about <laughs> a, then, b- build a 32-core system, maybe yeah, two of them for but the then same you price. Had to,
2: But then you have to run Windows. That okay. one,
1: yeah, well, all right. We are getting off the subject here, but that one Mac, the new Mac, costs more than both of the budgets for the studios combined. So. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Brandon, same question, too. If you could, uh, someone who's just starting out, what would you I, say? I
0: think I'm going to just echo what Hal said. Get your, light, your lighting figured out. You know, Invest in the best lighting you can. Figure out what camera you're going to use, what switching software, or hardware you're going to use, then build out around that. Um, those are going to be your three most expensive points. They're going to have all sorts of budget levels, and you can make almost any budget work.
1: Okay and and we don't have the uh we don't have the bars and tone, Twitter, or anything like that, so we can't share our pictures here. However, if you have any questions and you want to see what we've done, you can definitely email us wolfbites, that's Wolfbytes. That's W O L F B Y T E S at N C S U, as in North Carolina State University. Dot edu, or you can ask via the HECTA listserv. We can definitely uh, reach out to you there too. Uh, Brandon, Hal, thank you very much again. Uh, we didn't need guests today because we had it all right here in house building studios for the cheap so i I appreciate you both being here oh
2: yeah great this was a lot of fun yeah
1: happy to be on great brandon boucher hal meeks on bj tearing we'll see you next time on bars and tone